Hi, I'm Catherine Moore, and you're listening to the Will Suckers podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today, we're talking to Catherine Moore about periods, gravel, the unpaved podcast, and more. Please enjoy. The Wheel Suckers podcast is moulded in the studios of Warder in fan-facking-tastic Fitzrovia, London. One does not simply record podcasts at Warder, they also do voiceovers and audiobooks. Let their professional team of engineers, producers, and composers be your guide. Visit warderstudios.co.uk for more. Hi, I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands Cycling Cafe Bar Workshop on 49 Old Street, London, and... Joined by my stoker. Jenny's here. I'm in the rear. I'm the director of the London Bike Kitchen. Uh, we are a do-it-together bike workshop that teaches people how to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions, and our Women in Gender Variant and Women in Colour Nights. Yeah. Yeah. We have a guest. <laughs> hey. Hello. Welcome. Thank you very much. Our new thing to ask is... What would your Wikipedia bio say? Uh, I'm Catherine Moore, and my Wikipedia bio would probably say something like gravel nerd, bike packer, off-road cyclist. <laughs> I don't know, really. Just general enthusiast for, <laughs> for leaving, leaving tarmac behind, that sort of thing, and tries to, to work a little bit of work in with it at the same time. So you're a gravel rider. What is it and Why? I think gravel is a relatively new term and it's quite broad and it's really caught on to describe general off-road riding that isn't 21st century mountain biking. So I think over the last couple of decades, mountain biking has got more extreme and you've got like downhill getting really gnarly and then loads of other disciplines from like XE to marathon and just like trail riding. But the sort of perhaps the longer distance touring or like mellow fire roads now on today's bikes trail bikes or downhill bikes whatever is just a bit boring i feel like it's an extension of cyclocross which is a much more competitive actual like racing discipline different bike too isn't yeah it? yeah where you can ride a drop bar bike with no suspension off-road taking all of those trails that are now pretty boring for mountain biking and making them exciting again or if you're fairly young like me and you don't remember the 80s <laughs> God, that sounds bad, doesn't it? 
then um then yeah it's all new and mm. i think it can be approached from all different disciplines whether you've got people coming into it from road and they just want to get something a bit more um road with a bit more texture i guess or whether <laughs> i like that you want road to with texture yeah or um from mountain biking like i was riding out in shropshire yesterday with a load of like really hardcore mountain bikers that have sort of found their way into gravel or people that have never done any sort of i say serious any other disciplines of cycling before that have sort of stumbled into it because it it tends to be quite a friendly and inclusive environment and does gravel riding go back to back with bike packing do they need to be together or are they exclusive mm-hmm. no no so it depends what your definition is of bike packing it can literally be anything from strapping a few bags on a road bike right the way through to tour divide like all the way down the length of america completely well not completely but a lot of off-road i think they go hand in hand really well because of the sort of exploration and self-sufficiency sort of vibe that you get from being out in the wilderness and just being you and your bike and and all your kit and being able to look after yourself and you tend away to from cars yeah you get away from it thing. yeah mm. so i think they go really well together and also it depends where you are in the world there's going to be some trails where you just need a mountain bike to do that bike packing or what you're more comfortable with you should give it a go <laughs> we should actually yes i definitely haven't done it and i do think it is interesting we you're off road yeah <laughs> off road wheel cycling <laughs> you do kind of want to tick everything off because i've done track okay oh i haven't really done mountain biking either though i need to do more let's go well when the weather let's gets do a, bit a trip yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's so many what i really love about it is there's so many places that you can go and explore um even on your doorstep like I'm from Bristol and we lead a ride sometimes on a Saturday morning, which is just two hours of dirt, essentially. We don't even leave the city limits. There's so many like parks and little nature reserves and places that you can go and explore and all these tiny little backways. And yeah, you don't even leave the city, but you feel like you've had like a real adventure on your doorstep. That's so nice. I'm sure it's the yeah. same in London. Yeah. It's like another side of the city. Absolutely. Yeah. Mini adventure. Was it micro-adventures? Was that yeah. Alistair Humphreys? Alistair Humphreys' yeah. term. Yeah, all about sort of making the most of whether it's just a night away or just, I don't know, maybe an afternoon or something, mm. just getting out there and especially in your local environment. Mm, yeah, we've had so many talks at Look Mum where people are like, how do I get into it? And someone will be like, just go practice for one night. Yeah, absolutely. Just down the road. Practice sleeping in a field. Practice I slept sleeping. in my back garden. <laughs> With a tent and a flashlight, reading goosebumps. (laughs) Amazing. Did you crawl into the house at like 2am when it got really cold and horrible? I would have. I stuck it out. Um, I was was awakened, awoken by, um, because our house is right under a flight path for Heathrow. So 5am, all the planes coming in. I was like, good morning. (laughs) But it was all right. I was bivvying. So it was like Mm. my first time. And I was like, I got to test this. Since discovered, I'm not a bivy person. I'm a, I'm a tent person. Ah. Yeah, but that's an important thing to discover. For those who don't know what a bivy uh, is. Short for bivouac? Yeah, I think so. I think that's yeah. the term. And it's like sleeping in a garbage bag. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it described like that before. <laughs> it's like a glorified bin bag. Some of them are nice and they have that little... Pop-up hood like, thing. Yeah, some hood to, to go over your head and they have like a mosquito net. But you just kind of slip your... Uh, Matt and just your slip in. <laughs> slip in. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. You have to slit. You know, wiggle yourself in, and 
it's nice as an idea, but for me as a human being, like, no, I, I need some more room. The concept is you can just have that bivy bag and that's it, yeah. right? Like and anywhere. I always just imagine your little face poking out like you're a human caterpillar. Basically, just get like worried. Of, yeah, just be worried about things <laughs> going on your face. Slugs. Weather. <laughs> yeah. Nature. Foxes. Nature. Things doing like, running over your face. I'm like, ah! That's what I don't want. <laughs> you can get like mosquito nets that go over tents mm. as well or over a sleeping bag you don't need or like just a tarp yeah Yeah, just a tarp i guess it depends how warm it is i'm Mm. definitely a hammock person oh you're a hammock person but you've got to find two trees that are perfectly no (gasps) no in my it's going up to two years of hammocking now i've only had one experience where i couldn't find a good place because you can use anything like if you have a right angle of fence posts you can tie between those i've tied up in a marquee before um just in the corner uh, use like steel struts on an old barn. Uh, yeah, so the one place where I got caught out was in Yorkshire Dales, and um, all of the fencing is dry stone walls, <laughs> which of course you can't tie to. We're in this valley with no trees, so I put each end. There was a, a fence leading into a sheep field at this campsite we were staying on, which was very flat and didn't have anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had a very uncomfortable night's sleep, leaning literally against a fence. Ooh. Like the gateway. But apart from that, it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one time your word for it. Couldn't hang properly. Really sold it, yeah. Couldn't yeah. hang. <laughs> Bad hang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's talk periods in bikepacking because you recently wrote an article for Bikepacking magazine about how do you deal with your period when you ride for, you know, you've gone for weeks at a time. It's going to happen. Like, what did it cover? I didn't see much of this in mainstream cycling press. And I was brought up in quite like a prudish family in the nicest way possible. Like, I didn't really talk much with my family about it. But my mum had had a really bad experience growing up where she literally started bleeding one day and nobody had told her what it was. And like, could you even imagine having that kind of misinformation? And I think we just like, come on, it's the 21st century. We need to be really open and honest about this and actually talk about it. And the number of times I've been on like women's only rides and you can literally write like a bingo sheet of things that are going to get discussed in this like nice, safe environment where we can talk about these things. I'm like, that. oh, it is so can good. Make the bingo card. Yeah, and just like flat mash. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Periods. Yeah. Menstrual cups. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's got to be some more great ones. But anyway, um, so everyone's dying to talk about it, but it's just not in mainstream media. And I'd had this idea about interviewing people from like all over the world who do do this sort of long distance touring and put a bit of a call out on Instagram. And yeah, I was overwhelmed by the responses from people. And I learned so much about people and their limitations when it comes to how they can deal with their periods. So I learned about how it can really affect women in the menopause or how women that have had not even like issues with childbirth, but how your physiology can change, which means that you might not be able to use internal devices like tampons or cups anymore that might be uncomfortable. So that was really, really interesting. And I guess I didn't want it just to be an article for women. I think it's really important that everyone can understand and talk about it. And I had so many people afterwards who aren't necessarily affected by periods chat to me about it. 
or like ask questions or be like, oh, it's really interesting to hear about this and actually be able to understand and appreciate it. And so that when I'm out with my friends who do have periods, we can we can support them and do the right thing. Mm, yeah, it's not so, really nice. such a foreign, weird thing anymore. Like yeah. it's been discussed and it's like, oh, okay. And it's just like with any taboo, like the minute you start talking it and the more you do it, the less of an issue it becomes. Because you almost make it an issue by not talking about it. Exactly. Because the more it becomes mm-hmm. like, oh, don't, don't talk about that, there's more um, misunderstandings or just demystifying it. Yeah, because yeah. I liked in the article you listed kind of, these are kind of things that happen when you're on your period. Mm. There must be some people who just don't even know that. Because yeah. I was reading it like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> duh, duh. <laughs> the one thing, I don't know if I'll keep this in, but a thing that made me laugh is I have always worked out I, my hangovers are worse after I've had a period. Amazing. And I noticed you, you put in the article about it is because your blood sugar or your blood is lower, obviously, because it's coming out. Mm. So it sh- should avoid alcohol. And I was like, yeah, every ah. time. <laughs> every time I'm like, I'm on my period. I hate everything. Blah, 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 blah. And then the next day I'm like, oh, I feel terrible. <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> so yeah, pro tip. Don't drink. Yeah, there were some other interesting things, like not to eat spicy foods when you're on your period because Mm. it can upset your stomach. And I think one of the things that prompted it was actually for the first time being in a relationship at home where I could speak really openly and honestly to my partner about my periods. And actually, he could recognise when I was about to come on, like a few days before, PMSing. Yeah, same with my boyfriend. Before I did. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) And now I understand my own body and my own mood swings and everything a lot better. Based on him actually being like, ah, I understand what's going on here. <laughs> the cycle, yeah, because you kind of... fascinating. I think a month's a really interesting amount of time that you can almost... I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a bit dumb, but I just forget. And then you think, oh, oh, oh it's happening again. Yeah. And think, <laughs> I remember my mum told me when I was a kid and I first had my period, I was like, well, I'm glad I've had that now. Like, We're no, done. no, no, it's every month. <laughs> You only had it once. That's done. <laughs> Tick. Oh, period. I wish. I know. <laughs> but it's really good to like know your rhythm, you know, and not beat yourself up about it so Absolutely. Much. And I think one of the most important things to stress is that it's actually a really healthy thing. And it's a sign that your body's functioning. Like I was in the position in my early 20s when I had a pretty tough time. And I didn't have a period for six months or so. And then when I started getting them again, and that was the thing that triggered me into getting help. And when I started getting them again, I started to really appreciate it. And it's actually a really a good sign. So you don't have to just battle against it. It's surely like, sure, the symptoms aren't always the greatest. And you can be there literally like crippled on the floor, mm. uh, hugging your stomach or with a hot water bottle is quite nice. But it, at the end of the day, it's a good thing. That's Period's good. good. <laughs> Period. Well, I'm glad there was a good response. <laughs> I just have to add that I posted the article on the, the WAG, our Women and Gender Variant Facebook page. And our troll came back, crawled out from under the bridge. <laughs> ah, fresh content. And was like, she was like, this is disgusting. What are we going to talk about next? Like how to fart on a bike? <laughs> and then I posted we were like, actually, that would be great. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for giving us our next topic. Like, <laughs> you know, because do you get up out the saddle or... <laughs> Use, yeah, use, use a chamois pad as yeah. like natural. <laughs> you cough. You got just time your cough. <laughs> just you know, get up out of the saddle yeah. and yeah. Send send us your tips, readers. I mean, listeners. Uh, <laughs> how do you fart on a bike? <laughs> so you recently left being a presenter at GCN, and for those who aren't aware of what that is, it's the Global Cycling Network. This is not long after Emma Pooley left. And then there were zero women at GCN. 
we can't help notice. Mm. This is perhaps a little bit suspicious. suspicious. If you're willing to share, are you able to talk about what made you leave GCN? Yeah, sure. Um, Emma was a a fantastic friend of mine and and still is. (laughs) Don't want to make that sound like an obituary. Um, (laughs) uh, Emma, I think, left sort of previous Christmas. So it was maybe eight or nine months in between. Um, And I'm really glad that um, Manon Lloyd is there now. Um, so she used to write for uh, Sunweb and then Trek Drops. So I'm glad to see there is some female representation at GCN. For me, it was a kind of twofold decision. It was sort of moving away from and moving towards. So I'd been reading this really amazing book called The Multi-Hyphen Method by another podcaster, Emma Gannon, who has a podcast called Control Alt Delete. And she was actually the sister of somebody that I knew from school. And the book is all about... 21st century careers and how you can be a multi-hyphenate, right? So you don't just have to say, hi, I'm Catherine and I am a a writer, an architect, a doctor, whatever. You can be like, hi, I'm Catherine, I'm a writer, I'm a guide, I'm a host, I'm this, I'm that and the other. And there's all these different skills and that's totally fine. And I think the rate that the job market is moving, like the job that I had when I was at GCN in audience development didn't exist when I was at school and it didn't exist when I was at university, So it's pretty mad to think that I was doing it just a few years later. I was really excited about the idea of taking on loads of new opportunities and doing very varied and different work and and being freelance like I am now. So I really wanted to move towards that kind of lifestyle. At the same time, there are a few things that in all honesty, I found quite frustrating. And I work with some really, really incredible people who I miss all the time and like, I do still see around socially because all the people that I worked with were like my great mates. But I feel like in that position, if you claim to be and are the biggest cycling media in the world, then you have a certain level of responsibility to to practice showing diversity on your medium, on your channel, and being as inclusive as possible. And I was really, really honoured to be asked onto the channel to do some presenting had an amazing time at the Dirty Kanza, went out to Transcontinental, uh, rode with Canyon Shram, etc. Like, it was so, so amazing. And I really wanted to do more. And um, I applied for a job as a presenter, which I was really stoked about. And like, I'd been doing it alongside my normal job there anyway, and turned down on the basis that I wasn't an ex-professional. And whilst I understand that that gives you a massive amount of credibility, I think that there are a huge amount of people out there who are perhaps beginners or novices who would really benefit from the advice of somebody who's also just an enthusiast um, and not an ex-professional. And I think I align my own values in a slightly different way. And I didn't fit the sort of road cyclist, racing, sort of power and what, blah, 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 sort of. I didn't fit that mould. And therefore, I sort of wanted to do my own thing where I could live to my own values a bit more. It's a shame they didn't give you an opportunity to go in that direction. Yeah. I think it's their loss. <laughs> you know? Like, well, I, I yeah. get that vibe from GCN as well, unfortunately. I'm like, wow, this is just the roadie channel. Yeah, I can't stand it. <laughs> I've tried as well, but I just... They've, they've really created their own niche, I actually think. Yeah. And they're not actually like that they've broad. dug themselves into a hole. They're the top gear of cycling. Yeah. And it's... I think, yeah, it caters to some people and it's a bit naff. (laughs) They are doing some really incredible stuff. Like, um, 
they've really got into the live racing side and they're putting on loads of women's racing, which is incredible. And Marty um, McDonald, who's one of the commentators there, does like an incredible amount for women's cycling. And there's some really passionate people there. I just think they could do more. Agreed. <laughs> The yeah, let's. I think. <laughs> good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Trembling inside. I could see the sweat. <laughs> and I'm wearing a black t-shirt. You... Yeah. <laughs> so I think let's go. Let's talk onwards and upwards now. Hey, you, know, you moved. You're not there now. Their loss. What are you working on now? Well, we say what we know. What you're working on now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I've listened to episode one and I thought it was great. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. One of my little pet projects. Well. It's not a pet. It's not a pet anymore. <laughs> so um, I had this harebrained idea back at the end of last year to launch a podcast. A lot of people have been like, oh, you should start a YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no <laughs> it's not no, for no. me. Yeah. <laughs> you know about that. I do yeah. not have to face a video, <laughs> but I like chatting to people. And I guess the idea behind Unpaved Podcast came from a couple of different things. There's some great podcasts in the States that are all about sort of gravel and adventure movement and I was like these are really really cool but we don't have one over here now there is a really good one actually um Stefano from Broomwagon sort of which is more European centralized but there's nothing that's UK specific and at the same time uh, we had James Hayden so two times winner of the transcontinental just finished second at the Atlas Mountain Race come and do a talk with us at business as usual in Bristol and uh, we were chatting away and talking about how he was preparing for Italy Divide. And <laughs> he said, you know, there's some good off-road in, in Britain, but, um, not, you know, there's not that much like gravel roads, long gravel roads. And I was like, in front of an audience 50, I was like, mm, <clears throat> yes, there is. <laughs> and he was like, oh, no, you know, not like endless miles of it. And I was like, yeah, there is. <laughs> you just need me to show you. <laughs> And uh, I've heard quite a few people say, you know, oh, we don't have gravel in the UK. We don't have... I'm like, I need to show you, obviously. So it was a combination of those things. And we wanted to launch a podcast where we get to chat to people and hang out, but also bring people routes, because I think that's the biggest barrier to entry for people getting off-road is sort of knowing where to go. Because if you start road cycling, you maybe go and hang out with your local club or you might know the roads because you've driven around them or whatever. And if you start mountain biking, you just go to a trail centre and then you work your way up the skill levels and then maybe meet some friends who show you the natural trails, whatever. But with gravel, because it's so new, there's no central place. And it's amazing because these communities are starting to grow all over the place, shop rides, and you can almost do one every weekend going from place to place. But it's all very new and exciting. So, yeah, we're hoping to capture that. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah, so I managed to get, um, kind of by accident, Tom Bonnet on board, um, who used to do the Transcontinental podcast and does some work for the BBC. So he actually knows what he's doing when it comes to microphones and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I went to him um, for some advice and about you know, audio recording. Oh, my goodness, I've never done anything like that in my life, and it's so complicated. And he said that he was actually meaning to get in touch with me because he was thinking about launching an adventure cycling podcast at the same time. So it was just perfect. And he lives like a five minute walk down my road. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. It's meant to be. So it's really exciting. And yeah, we just launched and have four, well, three episodes already up our sleeve and recording some more really soon. Yeah. I like the way it sounds like you're on a bike ride. It's like the atmosphere. Of, yeah. Like hearing <laughs> everything, all the kind of sounds and people having a conversation. I feel like 
we like to ha- is it we got to hang out do mm. that yeah they're usually like in a coffee shop or something it's um, quite nice for hear. it to actually be on a bike ride yeah, yeah i think it's you, a brave do you, thing like, to do. Hold out the mic to interview people when you're riding. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh my so God. thankfully I don't because I don't have the skills. But Tom's got a um, surly. Oh, I'm not sure what it is. It might be a cross jet or a straggler, and it's got a. Um, is it roll off hub where it's got like the kind of like motorcycle gears? Well, that's it. Grip yeah. shift. <laughs> <laughs> so he can do that in his right hand quite easily, and then he'll ride on the right hand per side of the person he's interviewing and then he's got the zoom sort of um what do you call it like control, like the control yeah, yeah, hanging around <laughs> his Serious shoulder words, yeah. and then he holds out the mic Dead with a cat. massive with a massive fluffy the on it fluffy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. to the side whilst we're riding along off road which is incredible can't wait for your bloopers sorry no offense to talk but are you also holding a mic in your hand are you mic'd like no you're not mic'd just try and get as close as possible it just picks up from yeah Ah. and it's a bit it's been a bit of a challenge actually like you're talking around and having a really good conversation with someone and then it comes to this massive downhill and you're like oh bye (laughs) (laughs) i love that and it just suddenly goes yeah so it's um an experiment in progress i think I think I was just listening on the way here to our third episode. We were bivvying out on a January night near Oxfordshire and it was like all frosty and we were having a campfire. And it's amazing because you can hear the crackling fire and really atmospheric. Um, And I think there's a bit of Philippa Batty like (laughs) splashing through these huge puddles, (laughs) (laughs) like screaming her way through, (laughs) which is hilarious. So, yeah, we wanted it to be immersive and, and hopefully encourage people to go and do those rides and get out there themselves. Yeah, then the fact you provide the routes yeah, you've with got the episode, Kamoot, right? Yeah, and it's through Kamoot. Exactly. Yeah, so Kamoot have been awesome in sponsoring podcast. Um, and I've used it for years as well myself and do some work for them. I upload long distance cycling routes to the platform and essentially write guides so that people could literally say, I don't know, Transcambrian Way, for example, just pick it up pick up the collection and then you've got like stage by stage instructions where to eat where to stay sort of highlights along the route and photos so you sort of know what to expect before you go so that's been really handy and in terms of like pulling it all together and sharing it with people that makes it really easy Mm -hmm. it's nice i think a massive part of off-road is just route planning you know oh Yeah. yeah yeah so if you're into that like i really am maps and all that geekery then yeah i think i prefer someone else leading so I can relax. See, that's really? that's another plus of like traveling around the country to speak to people on these podcasts. Is we don't have to do the routes; we just get the best of local knowledge. Because yeah, you're essentially being guided whenever you yeah, <laughs> be traveling around. That is the dream, great. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. take yeah. me around, show me a good time. Yeah, <laughs> we'll chat. But it's so cool. So many shops are now doing rides, off-road rides and road rides, I guess. Because I think in this climate. And, and forgive me if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, you have to be more than just, uh, you know, things on a shelf. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting in the episode. I can't remember the name. One of the brother guys said that. He was Will, like, yeah. yeah. Tom from... Bike shops need to offer more now. Mm-hmm. You can't just be a bike shop and expect mm. people to come in. Yeah. And if you can make it into a community where people either feel like they have to support you or that they actually want to support you, then that can only be a good thing. Yes. Mm. Yes. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What are your dream future plans for the the pod. Oh. No no holds barred blue sky thinking. <laughs> what do you want it to turn into? <laughs> um I guess more of the same for now. That's not very adventurous, I know. Um we've got so many cool ideas that I'd love to explore. I'd really want to go to like all corners of the UK speaking to people. Um people that put on events, um people um in the industry that are making new gear and bikes and and how they're going about doing that. People that are bike packers and athletes and um I really wanted it to be UK centric at least to start with to really show people. And I think it's kind of come at a good time where everyone's becoming a bit more conscious about traveling, especially air travel. In that, you know, you don't have to go abroad to have a really incredible time. And that might sound really rich coming from someone who does travel quite a bit and is becoming more and more conscious about the amount of air travel that they're doing. But um, you can have such an amazing time here in the UK, um, whether it's on road or off. And I think it's just showing people that, that that's available. Uh, longer term, I don't know. Like, it's been really interesting for me, like launching a brand. I've never done that before writing press releases and stuff <laughs> you know who knows it might become more than just a podcast mm-hmm. see what happens mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be nice to give back and like host some of our own rides or something yeah i think you could definitely start doing your own rides and maybe some live show live live rides live rides <laughs> live rides <laughs> you record the entire ride oh yeah it's like when you see um, everybody's mic'd up <laughs> it's like when you see somebody's like recorded the whole ride on a GoPro or something and you're like okay I'm gonna watch it on five speed yeah. <laughs> and you get to one set that looks really cool yeah. and then you're like okay good they've got good YouTube videos actually like or slow again, TV slow TV I do watch yes. the train ones <laughs> I put them on so you watch a train it's great it's like one in like ah uh, I can't remember like where. a window in a train so it's so the you're front going. of the train yeah and then you follow the train's route and it goes through these like icy mountains and it oh. goes through tunnels it, the tunnels are the best bit because it goes completely dark 
and then you see, see a tiny, tiny dot in the distance and you think, oh, how far away is it? And you slowly see <laughs> it come out the tunnel and Amazing. it stops at every station and you hear it like, this is blah, blah, blah station. And you're like, oh, is anybody getting on? Is anybody getting off? It's like, <laughs> so nerdy. But. I once watched one about a man in his workshop building a chair, a wooden chair, and there wasn't any narration, just the sound of what he was doing and the step-by-step process. And I was riveted for an hour. It was amazing. Yeah, I think you've got ASMR unpaved content. Yeah. <laughs> we talked to, um, do you know Steph from Pania? So they put on like off-road tours in the UK and, and beyond. I think they're doing their first in Nepal this year in the Himalayas. And um, they're sort of this antidote to the road racing, sort of macho, all-out effort side of things where they're very much about touring and they've coined this phrase called 15 kph 15 gloves an hour club and pretty much all of their tours average out to be thereabouts and it's it seems really slow but then if you take into account the fact that you're you're like stopping halfway for a coffee you might get out your kit and brew up something nice or just stopping to take some nice photos and taking it all in i really like that Reminds me of that v strap patch that said, here to have a good time, not a fast time. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And so. actually just celebrating just getting out there. Like, you don't have to go fast to have really, really great time. Mm. There's too much focus on that with cycling sometimes. Yeah. Mm. I feel bad now because we're going to go into serious time, I think. Don't feel bad. Serious question. Let's do some serious. Mm. Yeah. Then we'll go back to fun. All right. <laughs> so I just want to make a disclaimer that we do our best to try and ask this to all of our guests on the show because we noticed that we'd been asking the people it affects you shouldn't always just ask the people that are affected by an issue everybody should be aware of it and everybody should be asked it it's like periods yeah we're gonna ask everybody about about their periods (laughs) (laughs) so race gender disability how do we get more underrepresented groups into the cycling round that's a really good question i think from my probably quite limited experience there's two angles i think i'd add to that different uh how would you put it income levels or different levels of affluence so i think a huge part of it is actually making it accessible on a monetary level and making cycling not a sport that's associated completely with being really expensive it's a class thing as well yeah absolutely so i think There are some amazing bike brands out there doing stuff that's really affordable. Like if you look on the mountain biking spectrum, for example, who is it that's making the Calibre mountain bike? Is it Go Outdoors? I'm going to get this wrong now. It's going to be really embarrassing. Anyway, budget bike that's incredibly well reviewed. I've worked with Pinnacle Bikes from Evans and they're amazing. And everyone sort of looks down the nose at some of these budget bike brands. Actually, James Olsen who designs the bikes there, used to design the Genesis Crowd of Fur, which is like the OG adventure bike. He runs the Tenerino Nice Rally, which is an amazing free-to-enter bikepacking rally. And just because it's from an in-house brand doesn't mean that it's going to be a terrible design. Like, I've absolutely loved my Pinnacle Arcos. That just sounds like a plug. But (laughs) what I mean is it's not about the name of your bike, it's just having a bike. And just being able to get out there. And we shouldn't look down at people who have a B-twin or something like that. And yeah, it's amazing that as it grows in popularity... I'm talking about gravel again now, sorry. (laughs) As cycling in a hole, right? Um, Yeah, that's your area. Sorry, yeah. Like, you can get some really good kit and stuff. 
relatively cheap. So I think that's one side of it. And I think the media really needs to con onto that. And I'm like becoming more and more aware that there aren't very many reviews for budget bikes. And I want to somehow get involved with that because I think just being on certain face groups and things, like everyone's like, oh, what's the best gravel bike for under a grand? Because it's entry level and, and people perhaps, this is a generalization, if you're buying a budget bike, perhaps it's your first bike. Perhaps you don't know as much as people who've had a bike already do and you need a bit more advice from other people. So I think there needs to be more in the media about budget stuff and more where branded content is produced, people riding budget bikes. And, you know, let's just stop the glorification of all the really super... Oh, do you know what word I really can hate? Bike porn. Oh, it's just like... It's lazy. No. <laughs> no. Like, I'm not, I'm not shaming porn or anything, but, like, no. these are bikes. It's got nothing to do with yeah. bodies. <laughs> like, sure, it might be... I don't know. I find people just use it as a term for like, whoa, whoa check out this bike. You're like, yeah. we really don't need to use that term. Mm. It is like a appreciate a bike because you could... There, there bike- is actual bike porn. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what <laughs> we are there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and too much like, money, not enough sense. Yeah. 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 So I guess like a, a utilitarian, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Utilitarian approach to there being good, cheap-ish, but well-made bikes on the market that are affordable and the media to back them up to make them accessible for people. And I think from what I've seen, the other side of how we can make it more, get more underrepresented groups into cycling is just by being open and friendly and welcoming and inclusive and creating an atmosphere where people actually want to hang out with us, us at being cyclists and not being judgmental or, you know, not having shitty little rules about how high your socks can be or you know the fact that you're wearing neon overshoes with a different colored neon hat or something and sniggering you know I think all of that's total bullshit and I'd like to think again I'm harping back to what I know I'd like to think the sort of like newfound gravelly off-roady thing that's going on is perhaps more inclusive from that perspective like you see a lot of people just hanging out in the cut off jeans and whatever and but in terms of how we get more people of different abilities or disabilities and different race like I really don't know I'd really like to know and I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on how we do that flipping the question (laughs) (laughs) you might be the first to do that Because, you know, you you guys have spoken about this a lot and I really, Mm. really rate it. And I think that's one of the things that's so amazing about your podcast is that you tackle these really hard questions. And to be honest, and I am completely guilty of this, like I often don't talk about it because I'm worried about saying the wrong thing. Mm. I think a lot of people are. I think it's refreshing for you to say, I don't know. And I think it's okay for us to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what then sparks. Because again, like Mm. when we're saying about periods, like if you just don't talk about it, it's very easy to just put it, under the carpet and not exactly. have to worry about it and not think about it. And I'd say personally for me, it's been a journey doing this. I've learned mm-hmm. so many things. Mm-hmm. And each time you think, God, yeah, we could be doing that. And oh, we could be doing this. Listening is really important. Emily Chapel did a, she shared her thoughts, you know, it's following lots of other different people online. Mm, absolutely. And listening to them, even if you don't engage with them, just having them on your channels, having them on Twitter, having them on Instagram, Facebook as well. I mean, Facebook's a real, 
grueling world of opinions. <laughs> I wouldn't say all of them are the right ones, but listening to what people have to say is when you actually start to notice some of the issues because you can't interpret or predict someone else's issue until they raise it. Mm. You know, yeah, I struggle with buying a bike. I struggle with buying bib shorts. I struggle generally to get into cycling because everybody's awful, you know, things like that. And I guess I would say I've learned from engaging with Wheels for Wellbeing. They are an amazing charity helping people get out on bikes that can't ride two-wheeled bikes. So they have all these amazing cycles. I think we just need more Wicked. of that. Yeah. You know, four-wheeled, um, one where someone else rides next to you. We need more of that. I mean, that needs money, but we need more of that. Mm-hmm. Race, I guess we're always going to be fighting to get more people on bikes. I think it's really lazy when people are like, oh, but, you know, we there aren't any black people cycling. So we can't hire any in our workshop. And I'm just like, that's just really lazy because definitely people of color cycling, there's women cycling, there's people who use their bike as their, because they're disabled and the bike actually allows them to travel further. Mm. And so it's like a hidden disability and Mm -hmm. we don't know, we don't see it. And it's, I think it's just giving people a platform using your power to then elevate other people's voices. And I think it's just that kind of standing on the shoulders of giants thing. Mm-hmm. Like you are here to then hoist someone else up and give them a voice and just really diversify in general. Because it's if you look at cycling marketing right now, it <sighs> is just still so dull. Mm. Like all about speed or weight or it's not about riding a bike it's not about having fun it's yeah and that's i think the funny thing is with everyone is like we all just love riding a bike you know it's so much fun yeah that's what should be marketed (laughs) i guess yeah i can understand why it's marketed differently at different groups and maybe i think it's unhealthy though but not just one angle in fact i've got a copy of bicycling magazine for you two um which is the one uh, with the woman whose name i forget from the states who she's on the cover of this magazine and she isn't a typical by the stereotype cyclist I heard complaints about this issue, though. I saw online people said, oh, yeah, you've put someone on the cover, but actually the content still is the same. Oh. I don't know. I'll be I'll interested. To to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited because I just thought I'd never get but a hold I've of got that, this. So. I don't know about you, but I've got this annoying habit, which really winds me up. Like, I do get really quite upset about this sometimes, where if I pick up a cycling magazine, I look through it and I count the number of women that I can find. I think Aisha talked about that. Yeah. She's like, open I can't help myself. How many pages till you get to a person of color? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I play it. Look, mom, we get lots of like adventure sport magazines. Mm. We've got base magazine at the moment, and it will turn up, and yeah, we'll be like, right, let's count, let's go. <laughs> None, great. <laughs> yeah, it's it absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like I was reading a a Dutch magazine the other day, and there was literally zero, and I was like, do we not exist? <laughs> And they're like, come on, this is the Netherlands. You have the world's best professional cyclists, female cyclists, and you could argue male. Yeah, their their top Celine Alvarado. Yeah, just yeah. won the cyclocross world, champion. world championships. And Meet Van Vluten. 
and, and like, Anna van der Breggen, like world champions for years, and and Mariana Voss. Like, it's yeah. not like you don't have anyone to talk about. Mm. <laughs> lazy. But, yeah, can everybody just stop getting on my little... Stop being lazy. <laughs> I think... Um, I think the more that we can be aware of different issues, so like a lot of my focus, I guess, has been about getting more women into the sport. And it's not on my personal radar about getting people of different colour into the sport because it's not something that personally affects me and I need to learn more about that and I want to learn more about that. And it only really struck me last year when I was working with somebody who asked me to recommend somebody as a model for a photo shoot in Bristol and they wanted a range of people men and women and they wanted a range of people of different races and I was like wow I don't know any women of colour who are cyclists in Bristol and I know loads of cyclists in Bristol like not saying that to be big-headed but like I just quite um, involved in different cycling events and things in the town I was like crikey what are we doing wrong here I mean it's tough it's like there's all sorts of issues at play here it's not ever any one thing there isn't any one thing that's going to solve the problem it's just lots of little efforts here Mm. and everywhere that will then cumulatively like move things in a more positive direction there was something emily brought up as well i wanted to say like there's um the issue with and i think city girl rides christina torres from ciclista magazine has brought up as well. It's kind of like, whose land are you on when mm. you're doing these events? Like, and you're riding through foreign countries. It's like, well, you're in a way kind of exploiting this for your own pleasure. But like, what is the community getting that is has created the roads or the town you're going through? Mm. And I think it's really, it's something f- really important for people to become aware of when because we come from a place of privilege and being able to do these things and i think emily said that there's a race happening in italy where it's like a bike packing race where the the money raised from that goes back into awesome. the cities and towns with the young people there and i was like That's it's a great that idea. kind of stuff it needs to be implemented i think mm. Yeah, that sounds like a no. really good idea. Just another thing that could happen. So many, so many things. I think it's serious time over now. Serious time over. <laughs> Anybody want a Percy Pig? Yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody take a break. <laughs> Quickly Percy Pig and then we, gonna we're going to talk pig. about your bags. You are a hyphenator. Yes. <laughs> and you're a maker as well. We can find you on Instagram at Catherine underscore makes underscore and you're making bags yeah yeah, yeah I have been um, tell us they're, they're adorable there's like watermelon bags and I'm just yeah. like oh my god I want one oh, no I didn't know about that I don't need it I don't need it <laughs> just, I'm not gonna look just sorry look. I'm just not gonna look sorry <laughs> yeah but how did how did that get started um I guess I did a bit of sewing when I was at school really enjoyed it and then the sewing machine went away for about a decade how did I get into it I've got a friend John Mack who makes bags and I think my cat's pissed in my duffel bag (laughs) which I've had for like 10 years a really nice cat kissed on one so I was like fuck you better get a new bag then (laughs) because you know when you wash it it just still doesn't come out Um, this is the joys of cat ownership (laughs) and and so I thought I'd make one and he gave me some like step-by-step instructions and told me what material to get and he was really really useful really good guy 
I really enjoyed it and I got hooked. So I found this really cool thing on bikepacking.com template from Neza and that's for like a stem bag and I followed that. And then, yeah, once you've got the materials on eBay, you just sort of like get hooked. And I used to like have a beer and get a bit tipsy because I'm an absolute lightweight and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a carrot top tube bag. <laughs> I'm going to make I love it. a watermelon handlebar bag because there's, sort of, there's no point competing with like the Ortlieb or the Apadura. Like those guys have the most technical equipment to be able to make them completely waterproof, really like rugged and able to withstand all sorts of conditions. But you can make stuff that's a bit fun. So I started making like bum bags and stem bags and stuff, just so sort of colourful. And yeah, it was amazing when I went freelance. It sort of tied me over until I could secure some contracts and and work with people because that always takes time. Um, so I was basically like sewing full time for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, and they went all over the world. It was really fun, but not really doing it so much anymore. I'm trying to focus on writing and other bits and pieces. Because sewing can take up quite a long time. A long time, yeah. yeah. Especially when you get it wrong. Yes. <laughs> you had too many beers. Yeah. There's like a sweet <laughs> da, 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 When you like yeah. go to stand up and you've but, t- like done your dress into the bag. I'll yeah. That. It's literally a sweet spot. A bit like pool. Like if you have one beer, you're like really creative and it all flows and it's wonderful. And, like, uh, <laughs> and then if you have two beers and it's like, oh crap, I've just sewn that zip closed. I'm going to have to unpick the whole thing and do it again. Mm. One and a half beer limit. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably the, it. Yeah. There's a Michelin web sketch about that. Where it's like one and a half pints is the perfect amount. Where you're like, yeah, kind of creative. You've kind of lost some of your inhibitions, but you're not like out of it. (laughs) And he has like a little tube where he's like constantly sipping on a beer. So it's like, and then the sketch is that he gets it wrong. He's like, no, no, I'm at two pints. Everything goes completely wrong. So good. Yeah, one and a half is the dream. And you talked about your cat pissing in your bag. But you have two cats. Yeah. Can you, can you um, your cats? I've got two little half Bengals, um, oh. which are gorgeous. They're actually called Rachel and Lionel, and they're girls. <laughs> Basically, when we got them, we couldn't think of good names straight away. So who called them Richard and Lionel? And everyone was like, oh, is it Lionel or Richie? Lionel Richie? And I was like, no, it's Richard and Lionel of the so- Cycling Podcast. <laughs> wow. And it stuck. I really liked Biff and Kipper. Um, but apparently Biff means something else. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Hand gesture there. <laughs> Ooh, for those of you that. <laughs> Learn something every day. Well, I did when I announced it at the office. I wanted to call them Biff and Kipper and all the guys were like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> and final fun, fun time we've been asking three, they don't have to be cycling. Okay. Three podcast recommendations. Cool. Well, I'd start with the one that I mentioned earlier, which is Control-Alt-Delete from Emma Gannon. Because she's got some, like, amazing guests. I don't like the term female boss or woman boss, but just, like, bosses. Women who are bossing it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty inspiring sort of general business podcast featuring a lot of really badass women. I really like We Got to Hang Out, which you mentioned earlier. I'm kind of a bit in love with the American cycling scene <laughs> and they've got some really amazing guests mm. the last one i'm pretty torn it doesn't have to be ours drum roll <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna recommend you i'm on your podcast <laughs> you, 
Okay, you can't recommend your own, can you? Well, you can no, do four. No, that's you can awesome. do four, that's okay. fine. Well, I really like Bikes or Death, which is a guy in the States. He's, like, setting up his van to be a mini recording studio, and he focuses on bike packers predominantly. Um, I listened to a really good one. He did all sorts of ones from the Bikepacking Summit last year, but I've just been listening to one of his with Lil Wilcox and Rue. Uh, I won't attempt to pronounce Rue's surname. <laughs> um, and that was fascinating about how they race and document um, long-distance bikepacking races. And the other one would be the Gravel Ride podcast with Craig, again, in the States. And he that's a really fascinating insight to, like, I'd say it's more towards the racing end of the gravel scene of how things are going over there. Um, sort of talking to event organisers who so goes and do, does like recce's of different routes or um, he did one with moots and like went into the factory and learned all about their process and stuff. So I find that really interesting because I'm a gravel, gravel nerd. <laughs> but also like, I'm sorry, this is not three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> do you know what? This is, this is a bit of a cringe one. Um, like I think a lot of people in the modern era, I've suffered with my fair share of mental illness. And one podcast which literally changed my life was this slightly annoyingly accented woman, sorry, <laughs> from the States. And her podcast is called Unfuck Your Brain. I listened to that. And it's such a game changer. Carl Owen that. That's it. She's yes. great. She is great. Yeah. It took me a couple of episodes to get over the accent, and that's just a personal thing. But it's it's like a marriage of psychology and feminism, feminism. and it's... Self-help. It's, like. it's all about changing, going right back to basics and changing the way that you think, mm. and then the way that you think impacts your feelings and then impacts, you know, it's how you so live good. your life. And it's, it's just like a you, every game episode, changer. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God, I've been thinking that way. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I've got to repro... It's about reprogramming the way you're thinking yeah. and like the steps you take to do that absolutely and challenging your own thoughts actually yeah, that's being a like big one. i need to i've put that on my like list. It's, yeah, oh yeah like you've got imposter th syndrome and you're like well how is this actually helping in my life what is the evidence for me feeling this way okay there is pretty minimal evidence and uh so and this isn't actually helping me so why the hell am i feeling this it doesn't mean that you just stop feeling imposter syndrome <laughs> uh, but um it helps you get over it that should maybe come a bit before the others. No, that's good. We'll keep <laughs> that yeah, it's good yeah. to like save the best or last. <laughs> Boom, unfuck your brain. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. I'm going to eat my last Percy Pig. Yeah, I'm going to eat one now. So I'll say this in an English accent and you'll do the rap with it. <laughs> yeah, yes? that sounds funny. Okay. If you like what we do, squish that. Like button rate. rate us on itunes and subscribe. subscribe if you can't give us your money give us your stars and don't keep us a secret slam that share yeah. button and tell all your podcast listening and perhaps also cycling friends about our show <laughs> jenny that was <laughs> it was like you just got possessed by English demon. It was like Bridget Jones's diary or something. Mary oh, no. <laughs> Poppins. Yeah, I was like channeling what's his face, <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> that was so good. <sighs> oh. I bet people will be like, "Who was that?" <laughs> Didn't sound like you at all. Tell me you got that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.